Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Come this program to bring you a special report. My name is Jeff. I am Iron Man. Oh, hi, Mark. Wow. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I swallow your soul! I swallow your soul! I swallow your soul! <laughs> swallow this. Hello there. Loud is not allowed. Now you listen to me, mister. I work for a living. And I mean real work, not writing down gobbledygook. Say, would you like a chocolate-covered pretzel? Come on, flip the pickle, Morty. You're not going to regret it. The payoff is huge. That's what she said. Welcome to my world, bitch. And now, Comic Culture Radio, with your host, Kevin Caldwell. What is up, my people? My name is Kevin. Welcome to Comic Culture Radio on KSKQ. It's a lovely Saturday afternoon here at Ashland, Oregon, headquarters of KSKQ. We are joined in studio by Ben. Ben, how do you say your last name again? Floiter. Floiter. Like loiter, but with an F. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, happy to be here. I can see why you were excited about that intro. That took me back. That was like <laughs> listening to old uh, Anime Hell compilations on YouTube right there. Yeah, I was really stoked, and I'm really <laughs> glad. Shout out to Josh Halstead, who made that for me last night after like 20 revisions. Oh, <laughs> so no. we, we got it down. So Ben is a local comic artist who has this really awesome series called The Sword Interval. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but uh, how are you doing today? It's a wonderful Saturday afternoon. I'm doing good. I'm slightly ahead of schedule in comics, too, which is rare and feels awesome. Well, don't spoil the interview on us. We oh, were going to yeah. get there. Oh. <laughs> so thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Give mm -hmm. us a little bit of your background, where, uh, where you grew up and what your interests were as a kid. Uh, I grew up here in Ashland, Oregon, and uh, started making webcomics uh, when I... Well, let's see, back in uh, mid-high school, and then uh, went to Portland to major in game design at the Art Institute, which I believe is closed down and dead forever now. Uh, let's see, yeah, interests were mostly, I mean, mostly comics and Dungeons and Dragons, that's pretty much the big two. Uh, video games, if I couldn't be doing one of those two things. Uh, yeah, and then uh, graduated from the Art Institute, did a bunch of freelance motion graphic work for Nike and a bunch of just miscellaneous commercials. Uh, phone apps were becoming big at the time, <laughs> so I was doing a lot of uh, background artwork for like uh, 2D side-scrolling video game stuff too, mm -hmm. until I turned comics into a career. Any commercials that we would know about? Uh, I storyboarded one Nike commercial that saw a lot of circulation. Other than that, I don't think there's anything that, yeah. Okay, <laughs> awesome. So you're going to be at Rose City Comic Con in a few mm -hmm. weeks. Are you excited for that? Yeah, I am. Uh, Love doing comic conventions. Haven't done Rose City in a couple of years, but it's one of my favorite ones for sure. Ben was telling me a story about how he shoulder checked Will Wheaton. That was at Rose City. And uh, it was I, an accident. I'm sure he doesn't hold a grudge, but he might. Who knows? <laughs> I just bumped into this guy and just apologized. He said, "Oh, no problem," and moved on. And then some friend of mine just looks wide eyed. That was Will Wheaton. And my mind is like, the guy from Geek and Sundry. <laughs> Just Star Trek. Oh, yeah, that. No big deal. <laughs> Just Star Trek. So tell me about the genesis of the Sword Interval. What led you creating this web series? Uh, I really, I mean, a lot of it kind of starts with I like to design monsters, and I kind of wanted a Monster of the Week style uh, story where I could do uh, shorter stories within a larger narrative and show off different monsters and their weaknesses. And, uh, you know, kind of in the vein of uh, Buffy or Supernatural. Uh, or as uh, Hellboy as well, mm -hmm. be huge influences for that. So for those of you who are unaware, and this is ripped straight from Webtoon, I didn't create this world oh, myself. I didn't either, probably. <laughs> so the Sword Interval is about a world on the verge of a supernatural apocalypse. Most of humanity goes about their daily lives trying to ignore the constant threat of magic and monsters, but a few dangers, a few faces dangers head on. 
Fall is one such person. She has left behind the sheltered safety of the Paranormal Witness Protection Program in order to hunt down the monster that killed her family. Does that sound about right? That I think I did write that. Okay. I think I did write that for them. It's been a few years. I didn't want them to just totally butcher what the plot is. Oh, no, no, no. That's that's definitely correct. I, so, I get confused sometimes because they, uh, they'll do advertisements for it now and yeah. then, and one of them is, uh, look out, Arizona, I hunt demons for free. And I'm like, uh, it doesn't take place in only Arizona. They're not demons, and she does it for money. Yeah, I mean, within like one of the very first uh, episodes that I read, it was like the Rogue Valley Coven. I was like, hey, I've heard of the Rogue Valley. I yeah. know that place. <laughs> uh -huh. So that's really cool. Uh, where did your initial idea for the plot come from? Did anything else like inspire you? Hmm. Well, it's actually based off the first webcomic I made back in high school when I got a chance to do this new series. Uh, I was a little bit stretched for time and... Uh, I had always kind of wanted to go back and revisit characters and ideas from my old high school webcomic, so this was a good opportunity to do it. I didn't have a lot of time to create an entirely new thing from scratch, so yeah, I rebooted that like 10 years after I had started that comic, and that was, again, very much inspired by Hellboy, Supernatural, Buffy, as well as an uh, anime like uh, Helsing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're about to hit, what, 200 episodes? Yeah, which is about 600 pages. Yeah. Uh, is it crazy to fathom that you've come this far since starting it four and a half years ago? Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy to be able to be doing this full time and uh, reaching a much larger audience than I used to, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think probably total comic pages I've made in my life is probably, I think I was just talking about this with my wife, maybe 2,000 at this point, but... Yeah, a good point. Portion of that sword interval at this point too. Yeah. So, do you know how you plan to end the series? Is there a definitive way on how you plan on getting there? Uh, I know the ending, and only recently did I find out how to get there. Uh, if you want a peek behind the curtain on the way I write, and apparently I hear other people write this way, so I don't feel less alone. Is uh, I try and write in a way where I have a vague framework, and then I'll sometimes put out plot threads where I know that if we never see the end of that plot thread. It'll just feel like this is a bigger world. Uh, but otherwise, I have all these threads I can draw from. For like, oh no, how do I wrap this up? How do I get this yeah. character out of this scene? Oh, this thing that I said 300 pages ago, I can bring it in over here. and That solves that. Yeah. I was going to ask, so do you ever write yourself into a corner where, like, how do you get out of this situation that I put these characters in? Uh, pretty rarely. When I do, I'll... Uh, usually try and bounce some ideas off of uh, some friends in the industry or uh, off of my wife Aurora and we'll usually figure something out within a day or so of brainstorming and get out of any corner like that pretty naturally. So you said that you were ahead right now. Yes. Uh, how far in advance do you start working on each episode and do you have oh, anyone who God. helps you with like the minute details mm -hmm. of the artwork? I do. Um, I have a friend, Natasha Tara Petrovic. She uh, does the flat coloring for me, so I still do the shading and special effects, but when I'm done with the inking, I send it over to her, and she does all the base flat colors. And she actually just had a comic published through Image uh, called Ophiuchus, so anyone into comics listening, I don't know if uh, any local comic shops have it or not, but it's through Image, so maybe. I don't think any one of our listeners reads comics. Oh, no. Just a, just a theory. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Would you ever start, consider starting another series concurrent with the Sword Interval? Uh, do you mean like just doing two comics at once? Or yeah. Just, okay. Uh, yeah, I've considered doing some other stuff. I don't really feel like I have the, the time right now, but I have a lot of ideas for things I'd like to do one day. Could you give us one or two of the ideas that you'd like to do? Absolutely. Uh, I'm working on a uh, horror story that's about uh, artificial intelligence and cults, and that actually takes place in... It's not going to be called Ashland, but it's basically Ashland in the Rogue Valley. Uh, so that's what I'd like to do. I have another one I'm working on with my wife that's a uh, very over-the-top Dragon Ball Z JoJo sort of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, about uh, vampires. So that'll be fun. If you ever need a uh, opinion before it goes to market, I, I think I know a guy who could help. Bigger, bigger poses, more, yeah. more Kamehamehas. <laughs> Always bigger poses. Um, so webtoon where you publish uh, mm -hmm. Sword Interval is a great platform for uh, up-and-coming artists. Did, mm -hmm. Was that your first choice, or did you shop it around? Uh, no, they came to me um, to do Sword Interval. They have kind of two platforms. They have uh, Discover and... Uh, oh, geez, what's... Featured. I'm Featured, that's what it's called. And Featured means anyone can publish on Discover, and it's a great place to publish and get some readers and some traction going. Featured is exclusively on Webtoon, and you uh, get 
a living wage for for it, but they, you know, we share some rights. Yeah. So they actually came to me uh, because of some of my previous work, and we talked about a new series to make just through them, and that became the Sword Interval. Awesome, and you're also on Kickstarter to do some physical editions. I have one right here. Was yeah. that? They're really beautiful. Oh, uh, thank you. Where could people pick those up if they wanted to? Uh, the first volume is on my store, which oh dear, uh, bfcomics.bigcartel.com. Uh, the second volume just got successfully kickstarted and will hopefully be off to the printer soon. So late this year, early next year, the second volume should be up as well. Awesome. Looking yeah. forward to picking that one up as well. Oh, yeah. For those that prefer dead tree format. Absolutely. <laughs> I, up until very recently, was super against reading, like, manga and comics online. Sure. Absolutely. But the Dragon Ball Super manga mm -hmm. is notoriously slow for getting physical volumes out, yeah. and I wanted to read it because it's now ahead of where the anime stopped. And I was oh, like, okay. I need to know this story. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I broke down and got a Shonen Jump subscription. And yeah. now I'm like, why did I ever hate this before? Like, oh, yeah. the screens are big enough now that it's not like yeah. you're hurting to read it. So definitely webcomics are awesome. And I'm fully on board with oh, them sure. now. So there are literally hundreds of series on Webtoons. Oh, yeah. Do you have any like ones that you read or other favorites that are on there? On a Webtoon, one that I like quite a lot is called Apocalyptic Horseplay. It's about uh, the four horsemen are trying to not give in to their evil nature, and they're just trying to run a newspaper that only publishes good news. Uh, and then a journalist kind of gets involved with that, and it all spirals out of control into a whole bunch of stuff with Satan and devils and... Uh, the Catholic Church. <laughs> uh, Somehow, a story about the Four Horsemen not leading into something terrible happening would be weird to read, I think. I'd be impressed if someone could pull that off. Just the Four Horsemen run a cafe and nothing ever happens. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a fun one just Absolutely. to see, is this the episode where something's going to go to hell? <laughs> it never does. Literally go to hell. Alright, so we're going to move on to some more sure. fun, absurd outlandish potpourri questions. Okay, absolutely. You don't have to answer, but if you don't, we're going to assume your answer already. Okay. So, who's your childhood celebrity crush? Ah, uh, celebrity crush. I honestly don't know. I know my first crush was a Kerrigan from StarCraft, the Zerg Queen. Counts. Okay. Uh, StarCraft, pretty celebrity-ish. Yeah, okay. If you were a Microsoft Office program, what program would you be and why? What program works really well but also crashes the most something like that like word i guess i'd just be word yeah if you That's... haven't saved your document and your <laughs> computer crashes and it's gone it's just gone <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite kind of cheese uh pepper jack pepper jack okay sounds good uh, i'm a cheddar boy cheddar's basic good. cheddar's good do you have a guilty pleasure guilty pleasure could be food a hobby oh, sure. anything is it a guilty pleasure to just slack off and play a video game? I think that might be one. I, I mean, guess. if you have a full-time job and you're slacking off a little bit, that's a guilty pleasure. Like, it, it kind of is. I'll feel a little bad. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I spent half an hour on myself today instead yeah. of working more. Well, it sounds like you are like me where you kind of make your own schedule. You have deadlines, yeah. so it's not really slacking off. You're just allotting your time differently. Yeah, it's it's interesting working on your own schedule. Like, it can be really freeing, but it can also be without other people to kind of keep you on track and kind of like, oh, no, where did the last three days go? Yeah. Some, um, I've based my days off how many more days until Saturday because mm -hmm. Saturday is my favorite day of the week. I get to do my radio shows. Oh, and yeah. Every day is leading to Saturday, so there if I'm go. like, it's Monday, I'm like, all right, it's five more days till Saturday, <laughs> I can get this much work done. Yeah, and it's important to have something consistent. I really like don't that. start getting on the grind until like Thursday, where I'm like, all right, time to work on the show, and then I base everything off that now, so. I realize I'm just nodding along, and this is a visual <laughs> or audio medium. Yes, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. yeah, I relate. I think I probably don't usually get to work on uh, Tuesday's episode, really, until Thursday or Friday. Yeah. People always uh, have been telling me that we should do, like, a webcam. I'm like, but I'm not that interesting to look at. Like, sure. if I had, like, a famous Will Wheaton-type person here, maybe Listen. I would do a webcam. Oh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ben did promise me if he shoulder checks Will again, he'll make mention that I'm trying to get him on my show. So hold him to that, please. So what would we catch you watching on a Saturday night on TV? Saturday night on TV. I've been recently getting through uh, Black Spot on Netflix. It's a pretty good uh, kind of supernatural crime thriller. Uh, I don't watch that much TV anymore. I usually just 
find a series and binge through it, then move on to the next one. Yeah, that's the great thing about Netflix and the yeah. terrible thing. They drop ten episodes of Stranger yeah. Things. Oh yeah, and then you watch it in one weekend, and then you have to wait over a year for right. the next a series. Right. So someone's like, "What do you watch?" Like, I don't know what what's on right now. I just you gotta Black rewatch Spot. The Office, I guess. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm gonna watch Full Metal Alchemist again. Yeah. <laughs> So you've been tasked with getting rid of one of the 50 states. What state do you get oh, rid of? Oh, jeez. Uh... <laughs> I don't know, man. Let's just make it all one state. All just one state? One, one big state. What would you call the state? Storigan. Storigan? Okay. So who wins in a fight? Hmm. Bruce Wayne or Tony Stark? Hmm... Oh, God. I'm going to say Bruce Wayne because Tony Stark's dead. <laughs> Spoilers, man. Oh, damn I mean, it. if you haven't seen Endgame, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's It's been a long enough time now that uh, you should see it. But All right, we'll, we'll flip it up. Batman or Iron Man? Because Bruce Wayne and Tony Stark are just people. Yeah, I, I mean... I really liked uh, Justice League as a kid, and I liked that version of Batman who really had a plan to take down anyone, so I feel like that version of Batman can take on most versions of yeah. Tony Stark. I mean, billionaire versus billionaire, it's just who wants to write the bigger check to have their friend beat the other one up. Aww, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Who, who has friends that can actually bribe with money to beat the other one up? Yeah. So, uh, we have one more question, then we're going to hop into our interview with Carlos Elizraki, and then we'll come back with Ben, but... This is the toughest one, and if your answer is wrong, I'm going to ask you to leave the studio. Oh, okay. Does pineapple belong on pizza? No. Okay, good. You can stay. <laughs> okay. So I just want to thank Ben. Uh, he'll be with us until 4 o'clock, but uh, we are going to do our interview with Carlos Elizraki really quick. Uh, really exciting stuff. Carlos is the voice of Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life. <laughs> Oops. Don't. If you heard that, I apologize, but um, we will be back with Carlos. <laughs> wow, messing myself up now. We'll be back with Ben after our interview with Carlos. Rocker's Modern Life, Reno 911, Fairly Odd Parents, and etc. Here we go. My name is Kevin. This is Comic Culture Radio on KSKQ. We are pleased to be speaking with Mr. Carlos Ellis Rocky today. Some of Carlos's past roles include Winslow from Cat Dogs, Mr. Crocker, Juan Dissimo Magnifico, and Dingleberg from The Fairly Odd Parents, Mr. Wee from Family Guy, Spyro from the original Spyro the Dragon, the Taco Bell Chihuahua, and most notably Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life. Carlos has also played Deputy James Garcia in the live action comedy series Reno 911. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. We got a lot of activity in the background. We've had play dates. It's the day before school, and uh, you know it's uh, it's all happening today. Yeah, I absolutely understand. Today's actually my uh, not busy day, so glad to get this out of the way. And uh, I'm sure you do hear this a lot, but I just wanted to get this right out of the bat that you were one of the voices from my childhood. Spyro was my very first video game, and so one of my in Rocco was the first year that I ever remember really loving and getting into. So thank you for that. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I've been fortunate to to go to a lot of cons all over the country, and, and you know, kind of hear the same thing that oh, you're the voice of my childhood, and and now my dogs are barking because <laughs> because it's, that's the house that I live in. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of a, a neat thing phenomenon to to have. So when I was preparing for this interview, I watched uh, an interview of yours on YouTube. Where you said that Rocco was your first whistle role. Was it crazy that that first one kind of skyrocketed the way that it did. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it was weird. It was uh, it was the 90s. We were following Chris Paluzzi and uh, you know Ren and Stimpy, and so the, and then there was Angry Beavers and Hey Arnold, and so it was just who, nobody knew it was going to be such a you know significant time for for animation in those early 90s. But yeah, you know, we knew it was good when we were recording. We knew the material was good. We had pretty wonderful with all the acting and the writing. So. I was glad when it took off, but not 
terribly surprised, but I didn't know that the whole phenomenon of 90s cartoons would be so important. So, uh, Yeah, this whole, uh, for the uh, episode that we're doing here in this board, all about 90s cartoons and how they're objectively better. I feel like, at least in my opinion, that the comedy has gone down a little bit, and the 90s ones are just, maybe I'm just old and jaded that way, but the newer ones don't seem to be as funny as they used to be. Yeah, we were allowed to be a little bit more adult, a little bit more sublime, subversive, um, a lot more innuendo, you know, sort of on the nose now. I mean, there's some good cartoons out there for sure, but that that period was a few, there's more storytelling, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you realize that you were able to do all these voices? Uh, you have so many of them. Did they all just come naturally and you have to, like, create them as you go along? I think you create them as you go along. I think I had a good base. I've said it a couple of times in interviews that my mom, my parents are from Argentina. My dad was British educated, you know, no accent. My mom still had her thick a Spanish accent. And, you know, and then my best friend was from Glasgow, Scotland. So I had this unique ability or unique situation where I'm going up hearing Carlitos no me digas. And Caroline's good, you can give it up to today. And so I was just fascinated by dialects and characters. And so I started to tune in, and then I started to watch television like everybody else, but started imitating people. And um, so it was pretty early on. I knew that I had at least a good foundation for hearing voices. And then watching um, British television growing up, the Tulanis and Monty Python and Ripping Yards. So to go from British to Australian, you know, it wasn't that hard. But um, – yeah, so I was really ready to go, you know. Yeah, definitely. So you got your doing stand-up comedy. Uh, are you still actively doing shows, or is that kind of something that's on the back now? Um, I'm, I'm, it's on the back. I mean, I do shows every once in a while. And at Flappers, we have stand-up shows featuring um, featuring uh, uh, voiceover actors, and so that's a nice combination for me to do. Yeah. And, you know, it's something we went on August 12th, for example, in Burbank, California, at Flappers. It's, I'll get out there once in a while. I, you know, I may try to do a special at, at some point, like a, a lot of other people are doing, just to get back on track. And you know, it helps to sort of be prominent and get yourself out there and try to have an on-camera presence. So, you know, if you have an on-camera presence, sometimes the voiceover jobs come to you a little bit more easily. So, yeah. Uh, well, if you ever decide to get back into it full swing, we definitely need live comedy. We're in uh, Southern Oregon. And we don't get a whole lot of live comedy, so you should come up here and do a set for us. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah. You're in Ashland? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I used to do a comedy tour all through there. Ashland, Silverton, Roseburg, uh, Salem, uh, gosh, Bend. I used to do this whole comedy run back in the 90s, right around the time I was doing Rocco. So if only I could go back in time with Rocco. I could do that stand-up tour again. Yeah, exactly. There we go. So if you hadn't gotten into business, what do you think your career path would have been? Did you want to be a teacher, writer? You know, uh, right out of uh, the, uh, college, I was in uh, recreation administration, and they were setting up a ropes course for corporate employees to go through and get trust falls, zip lines, and high wire walks. And I was always a daredevil, and I was going to be the guy that was going to be the tour guy because I, I was funny. I could handle myself in public situations, and I thought that would be a perfect job for me. I would take all these corporate employees through these courses, and I, I could probably still be doing that today. You know, that that would have been something I would have done, or a club management, managing a racquetball club or a tennis club, something along those lines. But, um, yeah, I think it would have ended up there. Um, okay, awesome. It would have been all right, but, I, I you know, I got into stand-up comedy and mine in college, and then Rocco's Modern Life came around out of me doing stand-up comedy in San Francisco. So I guess it was uh, destiny, you know. I, w I really didn't plan this. I didn't do drama or anything. I played sports. Yeah, it seems all the all the greats didn't plan to be the greatest. They just kind of went into that, and it happened to them. Um, so speaking of Rocco, how did it feel coming back to him after all these years? Did his voice come back naturally to you, like his personality, or did you have to relearn it? Yeah, you know, I think because of the cons, and going to the cons and, and doing welcome for people. But, you know, at the first record, Joe had to, you know, sort of, give us all a voice sample of what we did in the 90s, because we were both a little bit more weathered, you know. The old yeah. was way up here, and I really had to, you know, I was probably more naturally right here, so I had to kind of struggle to get up there. Hey, it was funky! <laughs> Those kinds of things are a little bit harder to do. I appreciate how Spunky still has a thing for the mops. That was really yeah. funny to me. Yeah. 
ordered a bunch of mops from Amazon, I guess. So on that same note, how does it feel for Shadow Queen to finally see the light of day? I feel like it was a really rocky road from the time that I remember hearing it announced Comic-Con to being released uh, this Friday on uh, Netflix. Yeah, you know, we were really happy that it finally did get released, but, you know, for a while they were like, what's, what's going to happen? It's the same with Invader Zim. We weren't sure that uh, it was ever going to come out, you know? Like, oh, they didn't want to do it. There's no deal there. But, you know, obviously Netflix is an awesome platform because, you can stream it any time you want. I mean, people have DVRs, but just about you can watch it over and over again. And if people miss it and didn't, and didn't DVR it, they can watch it at any time. My girls and I watched it um, that Friday morning, actually. And we just got up and gave it a watch, and they really they really liked it. They, they've seen a couple of Rocco things. But uh, so I think they think Daddy's cool now. So do you know if there's a fan for Rocco, the, the entire series to go on Netflix, or is it just going to be special for now? As far as I know, it's just a special. Obviously, okay. a, a small dream come true would be just that. You know, like, hey, we really love it. Let's do a series. You, you always hope for that. And if yeah. it's just a special, then it kind of lives on there for a while. And, and it introduces Rocco to a whole new fan base. And it's good for me when I go out and do the cons because, you know, people come up and say, I never saw it before and I liked your special. And so there's always that. But, yeah, going to series would be the best outcome for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the film picks up 20 years after Rocco, Silver, and Heifer have been stuck in space due to Heifer's ineptitude. And they only had one VHS to watch over and over again. If you were in that same situation, what VHS would you have up there with you? Ooh, gosh, VHS. You're talking VHS, huh? Yeah, they had a VHS, so you don't have a VHS. only fair. I don't, yeah, because we're, so that excludes a lot of modern stuff, so. Like, if I would be a movie, and it would be Blade Runner. Okay, mine's Rocky I would Horror. Watch it, I, as I've watched it over and over again, anyway, so it would, it would be Blade Runner. Okay, awesome. So obviously, Rocco is shell shocked coming into the late 2010s. Yes. On that same note, if you were coming back to from space after 20 years, what would you be most surprised by coming into the uh, 21st century? Oh, man, all the cell phones, the fact that you can walk around with these little, you know, literally Dick Tracy. You can walk around and talk into your watch and see a video, you know. Yeah. Got to get that new iPhone 10. Yeah. Oh, big whoop. I got the iPhone 15. You know. Oh, right. man. I'm way far behind. I've lived changes in real time, and I'm still shocked by some of them. Like, 3D printers are so crazy to me. I, I know. I thought this would be a thing. I know. You can build entire houses out of them, but yeah. There's so much, but I just think definitely the fact that people could talk into watches and have these little things. I mean, we're used to it now because it happened gradually, but if you saw that, like, what do you, you can, you know, you can talk through your car to somebody or even email or FaceTime, like, so all the way across the world, you know? What is it? Yeah, you? we're not really much. connected now than ever before, and it's kind of scary. I don't want to be reached at 3 o'clock in the morning, but now someone can. Yeah. There's a major change for one of the characters in the special, and was that something that came about naturally during the writing process? It was really nice to see an issue like that being addressed so openly, and I feel like the yeah. Rocco and this gang were on. I was just like, oh, okay, that's awesome, moving on. Well, yeah, they discover uh, the big head son, Rachel, has come back in the 21st century, and um, they they just ask Rachel to um, they meet her, and she says, I'm Rachel, and to them, it's like, oh, no big deal. All right, can you get fat heads back on the uh, back on the air? And that's kind of a cool moment when when they see her, um, and uh, I, I think that's cool. Do you think that would be part of the reason why Nickelodeon didn't want to air it on TV, or does that not really have anything to do with it? Do you think? I couldn't venture to say that's a Nickelodeon okay, thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I saw it on you, but after I watched the special, every single time I heard the line, culturally ambiguous pillows, I had the urge to jump in the bed, bath, and beyond. Was that your plan from the whole start? People <laughs> buy pillows? Yes. Okay. Culturally, culturally ambiguous pillows. Yeah. So this is probably going to be a tough question to ask. Do you have a personal favorite episode of Rocco? They're all hard to remember, but I always say you can't sweet cheer from a Christmas uh, cheese log. It's just yeah. so sweet. And, you know, uh, the little elf meets help, and he meets friends, and he's sort of an outcast. And, and it's just about that true spirit of Christmas. And Rocco sort of embodies that. Rocco just embraces everything. He might be a little afraid of it at first, but in the end, he's like, yeah, you know, it's not so bad. We can get through this. Yeah. So 
I think mine would be uh, Slam Rocks. I remember seeing it, and then when they finally get there, it's this little dinky little thing, and I thought it was so brilliant that after all this, it's like, okay, we're just going to bulldoze over this little uh, trinket national monument now. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many good ones. Uh, you know, a line that when Rocco finds his favorite child is a toy. I love you, Mr. Onionhead. Like, who has a toy yeah. named Mr. Onionhead? It's ridiculous, you know? So, uh, is there another character which you could revisit? I think a cat dog reboot would do really well. I think I Winslow so. could have his own. Hey, cat dog. Show. I think Laszlo. I mean, Laszlo was another Joe Murray show. Laszlo was really sweet. And Jeff Bennett playing Raj. But yeah, Winslow is awesome. Yeah. Winslow could have yeah. oh, Chase Ghost Coast to Coast. I mean, it would crush it. <laughs> hey, a cat dog. Right, so, uh, is there any role you would pass in one? If there is there any role that I uh, excuse me that you regret passing on, if there are any of those? No, I don't know that I passed on any role per se. You know, okay. um, obviously all voice acting like when they wanted to recast the Simpsons, Simpsons and stuff like that. You know, during the strike, it's like no. You know, we all most of us pass because just out of respect, it's like no, let's let those actors negotiate for what they're worth. But no, I, and that act, none of us regretted. You know. So okay, yeah, that makes sense. Just got to be a respect for for the Simpsons bullets. Yeah, exactly. But no, I don't think I ever uh, passed on anything I, I had an opportunity for. Uh, you know, I'm still going for everything. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, you were Deputy James Garcia on Reno One. Oh, actions is obviously a whole different beast compared to an animated show. If for a project come along, would you consider doing a live action series again? Oh, absolutely. You know, you always go back to that. Uh, I'm doing a TV series right now, and it's really cool. And I'm getting to act with uh, a couple of really fine actors. Um, and, I, you know, I hope it comes out. It, they're doing it as a pilot presentation. You know, you hope it gets made. The content is great. Um, the cast is great. Uh, it's a funny <laughs> kind of devious character that I play, but it's, it's also nice, so. No, so I hope it does get made because I'd love to see yeah. it. Yeah. You know, if Reno, you know, there there had been rumors that, you know, Quibi, uh, hopefully Quibi would want to do some Reno episodes, but it really is hard with all the actors' relative schedules, you know, and that would be something fun to do, revisit Reno or, or any other live-action show that has really good writing, you know. But uh, hopefully, you know, that's what stand-up is for. Hopefully I get an opportunity to do stuff like that, so. Yeah. Is there? I saw there was plans for a sequel to Reno 911 Miami, but are those kind of shelves for now? Did that end up not panning out? For oh, nothing has panned out so far. There's always the cast is willing and ready and able, wanting to do it. Again, it just comes down to opportunity and cast availability. But I, I never, I didn't know about a sequel to the movie, but certainly a little more episodes and scoring and things like that. And so uh, Billy West, was another veteran voice actor has been pretty outspoken about celebrities, quote-unquote, being chosen over career voice actors for roles. I just want yes. to get your opinion on that. Uh, part of me understands why you'd want to attach, insert Brad Pitt, A-list actor here. I've never understood why those people get chosen over uh, career voice actors who hone these skills over years at a time. You know, it's relative to the project. You know, you look at Billy Crystal and you look at John Goodman, celebrities that, that – re- and, and, uh, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks, who just, you can't imagine anybody else as Woody or, uh, you know, Buzz Lightyear or Michael Dante or um, Sully, even though uh, for many years I got to imitate uh, or do the voice of Mike Wazowski. Um, you know, so it's relative to the thing. I've always said there's a difference between voice acting and acting with your voice. So celebrities act with their voice. But to some extent, you could say that John Goodman and Billy Crystal, you know, deviated from that, you know. You know, the regular Billy Crystal is right-handed. Mike Wazowski's higher up, and he made a character. He's full of energy. And so, you know, there's an example of a celebrity who puts something on it. Then you look at, like, a Ray Romano. You know, I'm going to play this character in this movie. I'm always going to be Ray Romano. Or Chris Rock. is always going to be Chris Rock, you know. And that's fine. And I can see the validity to it if, if you want a Chris Rock-like character or you want a Ray Romano-like character, you hire Ray Romano. Obviously, we're more skilled at altering our voice, uh, and it would be sweet. You know, it would be lovely to be able to to get the notoriety and, and the money that celebrities get. And we voice act, and they act with their voice. So sometimes it's 
you know, uh, I didn't think Brad Pitt or Matt Damon were as, were as strong in um, Happy Feet 2, for example. They were fine, but um, obviously Robin Williams, the celebrity, is the star of that show, and Elijah Wood was great. You know, he brings his sweetness to the character of Mumbles. But, uh, yeah, you get, you, get, you get jealous because sometimes you create a character and then they replace you with that celebrity, and you're like, hey, wait a second, I created that character. Or I, I did that voice first. And, you know, it's like any other business, you know it's going to happen in whatever endeavor you do and you just you just roll with it yeah absolutely so i don't want to take up too much more of your time but before we go i just have a couple more uh i do want to touch on rocco one more time growing up there were so many jokes that went over my head in that show and then going back to it as a young adult i was like wow how did i miss that there was one that immediately comes to my work uh rocco gets a job as a uh, phone operator is it fun to see those in there for the adults watching it with their kids who are none the wiser? Yeah. Oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, be naughty, be courteous, be nice, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of the major ones. That guy said, you don't want this room all night. <laughs> you like to check in for the night? You want it for a whole night? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many. I, I, I there's one where there's Rocco... Rocco answers the door, and he's holding a ping-pong paddle, and there's a monkey on a turnstile thing, like, we were just playing a game. And, you know, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, those kinds of things. And even Chokey Chicken, they were, they were just, they said, this will never get past the censors, so let's just do it and see what happens, and they, they let it get past the censors, so. Was there ever a joke that didn't make it past the censors? I'm sure about? there were several. I, I can't think of any right now. But, yeah, certainly there was. And so these are the two toughest questions out of the whole interview, and I hope you're ready for them. Are you a mobile or DC guy? Uh, oh, you know, if I had to be, that's tough because I love Deadpool, and I love Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse more than any other Marvel movie that I've enjoyed. So just based on that, Spider-Man, that puts me in the DC world, right? Or is that, yeah. That's, that's Marvel. That is Marvel, so yeah. Yeah. Marvel. That, that okay. movie was amazing. And then the toughest question, does pineapple belong on pizza? Um, absolutely. It does. I, I'm sorry to say. Hey, uh, that's okay. I saved that one for last because you had the wrong answer. I was going to end the interview right there. But um, yeah. the answer, so thank you. <laughs> oh, good. Any final words for us that you want to share uh, about Rocco, about Ringo 911, about anything? You know, um, just letting people know that I'm trying to do more cons. I've got uh, Detroit, Michigan coming up this week. I don't know where we're airing. And that I'm, you know, I'm glad that Wilco uh, has new life again, and I hope new fans will like it. And Reno fans, we're doing all we can to bring Reno back uh, to the air in some fashion. I'm, I'm keeping my body in shape just for case I can sit at the old sheriff uniform. But, no, just thanks for, thanks for being fans of what we do because uh, I, I said this on Instagram. You never realize the impact you have on people. I've people spend so much time with you it really means something to them and based on that i just appreciate that people like what i do and, and i can understand it yeah absolutely well thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today carlos i really appreciate it and uh great talking with you yes and sorry about all the craziness but that is my house the day before school with dogs and kids Great. That was our interview with Carlos Alas Rocky. Uh, really fun. I really enjoyed how he did all those voices, Rocco and uh, Winslow from Cat Dog, and how he did the famous "Oh baby, oh baby, oh baby" from when Rocco was a legit phone sex operator. That was like, great. Went over my head as a kid, but definitely into it. We're back with Ben for the next uh, 15 minutes or so for Dad Hats and Khaki Pants starts. That's right. If you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> Saturday is Dadder Day with Kevin, uh, <laughs> 3 to 6, Comic Culture, and then Dad Hats and Khaki Pants, my music uh, show where I play the best in pop punk and emo music for your ears to enjoy. So Ben and I are just going to ramble about nonsense, and uh, if you get sick of us, uh, don't tune out because you're going to miss Dad Hats, and you know you want to listen to that as well. <laughs> so we were talking about Dungeons and & Dragons, yeah. and the idea of doing a radio uh, campaign 
if that would work out and uh you were mentioning uh another series that does that kind of tell us more about that yeah so there's um a system called apocalypse world that someone made i wish i remembered the names of people so i could credit them properly but uh someone made this a uh, much more straightforward system that was meant to play uh survivors after an apocalypse event and the system was really uh really straightforward and really really focused on the narrative so there's a whole bunch of other games that are based off it now and they're called either apocalypse engine or powered by the apocalypse and uh very narrative heavy very little dice rolling and uh moving characters and tokens around on a grid but still still has you know there's still gameplay elements there's still strategy and luck and chance yeah. involved i just think it'd be really hard to translate to a live radio show like sure this is this is gonna be a podcast as well oh if you didn't realize uh comic culture is gonna be a podcast uh every saturday episode will come out the next wednesday on spotify apple music google play wherever you digest your podcast from and so really looking forward to that and uh Thank you to my producer, Michael Halstead, for getting that set up for me, because I could not do this without you, my friend, so thank you. Uh, what else were we going to talk about? The MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Do you think there are too many movies in that franchise? Yes. Next question. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were talking about how it kind of feels like... I don't know, there, there's, there's so much, and... It's like a feeling of like fatigue of having to keep up with it if you want to see all the tie-in movies, the next Avenger movie, and stuff like that. And I don't know. I mean, we're at like three a year now, yeah. and uh, within like what four months, we had Captain Marvel, Avengers, and Spider-Man. It's a lot. And I'm like, why can't we make these like every three months? And, and now like, Spider-Man doesn't count. I uh, know. Hopefully, Sony and Marvel can work out a deal because Tom Holland was the best Spider-Man in my opinion, as far as him being an actual teenager in sure. high school. He's actually like 20 when Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were like both 30 when they started playing yeah, this 17-year-old yeah. kid. But Tom Holland was like an actual kid when he started, so definitely hope he is able to stick around. Yeah. Did you see the uh, thing going around about how apparently the uh, Peter B. Parker from Spider-Verse is from the same universe as Tom Holland? So, that's supposed to be the same guy, just all washed up like 30 years later. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse was great. Oh, I loved, I loved it yeah. so much. There were so many art styles on the screen at one time mm -hmm. with the Spider-Man Noir and Spider-Pig. Like, it was just so cool how the animators did all like seven different styles at one time. Mm -hmm. And the effects were amazing. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I definitely recommend you watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Beautiful movie. Not connected to the Spider or to the MCU as a whole, as far as we know. Apart from maybe Peter B. Parker yeah. is possibly the same. Now that he's not uh, part of the MCU, he just gets washed up and goes on to Spider-Verse. Oh, poor guy. I know, that <laughs> poor guy. Uh, there is the multiverse in Spider in the MCU now, so possibly. Oh God! I think the new Doctor Strange movie is all about the multiverse. So. Oh yeah, okay. That one actually sounds kind of fun. Yeah, Doctor Strange is one of those ones where like he was super fringe before, but now he's like way popular. Yeah. Which this is comic culture from the former fringe because all this stuff <laughs> is popular, and you all yeah. made fun of us as kids for liking it. <laughs> But now we can all enjoy it together. And uh, I don't hold grudges for the ones who made fun of me for liking Dragon Ball no, because no. The, now they like Dragon Ball. Like, oh, let's watch it together, man. Yeah. Like, let's catch up on 20 years of awesomeness together. Yeah, more people being into all these hobbies is great. And just that meaning that future generations hopefully won't feel awkward or face any sort of bullying or teasing for it is wonderful. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. We were also talking about uh, Star Wars and how they keep pumping those things out and how the entire extended universe got retconned when Disney bought mm. Star Wars. And I'm like, I had to relearn all this stuff. And <laughs> why would they do that to me just to make a little bit more money? But uh, I just want every franchise to die. Just all of them. <laughs> I don't want to go attacking Disney because no. they'll come after me with they their will. lawyers. But uh, <laughs> I love you, Disney. No, I mean, I do like the Star Wars movies individually. I like most of the Marvel movies individually. It's just, it's hard to be excited for them anymore, I guess yeah. is what I want to say. Just, even if it ends up good. Just like, no, no, another one. That's fine. 
and then all these new TV series that are coming out. Like, there's mm -hmm. so many of them that, like you said, you have to pretty much watch them all to know what's going on for, like, the next Avengers movie or whatever they end up doing, if it's not Avengers sure. anymore, if it's, uh... I don't know if my listeners are super into comics, but the Illuminati would be a really cool movie to make. Like, oh, sure. Secret Avengers, just... Sure. I think it just a shield did that at one point. The Secret Avengers, or maybe it was the Secret Warriors. I don't know. There's so many secret organizations yeah, I out there. Stopped watching Agent of Shield. Just kind of fell out of that one a few seasons in, so I can't remember. Yeah, I stopped watching it like season four, I and I tried going back a couple times, but I'm like, it got too wonky, even for like a comic book series. Yeah, kind of had that issue that a lot of series will have, where you almost so property where you just have too much interpersonal stuff going on or too many plots that kind of get dropped. Yeah. I just want a good superhero show that's serialized so I don't have... If I miss a week, I don't have to go back sure. and rewatch the other uh, other episode. Sure, sure. Um, so what else do you want to talk about? Uh, this is super fun, super potpourri yeah. style right now. Uh, we were talking about series that you would watch and you were talking about... Uh, what was oh. it, Black Spot? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Black Spot on Netflix was pretty cool. My wife and I went through the first two seasons of that recently. It's uh, like an isolated French village in, uh, in the mountains dealing with a bunch of... Kind of a procedural crime show with these really vague, never particularly over-the-top until some stuff in season two, <laughs> supernatural elements. Just, you know, people with maybe a kind of a sixth sense or some weird pagan wood god stuff is going on, but nothing that couldn't really be explained as... That sounds like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. You're right. It's exactly the same. <laughs> I actually really want to do the uh, Gravity Falls intro, but with Black Spot characters. That'd be really awesome. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Gravity Falls oh. <laughs> supposedly takes place in our very own Oregon. It, it does, yeah. Uh, somewhere outside Bend, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure what town it's supposed to be. I, I've, I've seen a map. It's not like a real map. It's just like for the show, right, and it's right. supposed to be right outside Bend. So another show that takes place in Oregon is uh, Angry Beavers. Oh, and yeah. I am interviewing Richard Stephen Horvitz tomorrow on uh, for next week's show. That's so cool. And he was the voice of Daggett from Angry Beavers, and he was also the voice of Zim from mm -hmm. Invader Zim. So that's really exciting. Ben was just telling me he watched the new Zim special. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Was it good compared to the original series? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I don't know if now, I, uh, as a 30-year-old with no energy, I could go back and watch all of the original series. But uh, the new one felt a little bit toned down, but in a way that I really liked, and it still felt like Zim. And a little more heartfelt, I feel like the characters felt a little more like uh, people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then he was also the voice of Alpha 5 from Power Rangers. Oh. So uh, looking forward to that. If you have any questions for him that you'd like me to ask, go ahead and get us on our social media at Comic Culture Radio. And I'll be sure to ask him. And if he doesn't answer, it's because you asked a stupid question. Oh, no, <laughs> maybe. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to ask some stupid questions myself, but that's just because I can. It's my show. Uh if he hangs up on me, that's okay. <laughs> so I just want to thank Ben once again. We have him for about, I don't know, another five minutes or so, ten minutes before we get ready for Dad Hats. Anything else you want to tell us about the Sword Interval or uh, where people can find you? You said you and your wife are working on another series. That's right. Um, well, you can find Sword Interval at uh, swordinterval.com. Uh, and then uh, my wife and I are working on a short horror anthology called WTF. Uh, weird, terrifying, freaky. And it's kind of in the vein of the old Crypt Creeper or like eerie comics, kind of like corny intentionally. And that's going to be on Kickstarter. Whew. Oh, it launches Friday the 13th in September, which is when we're at Rose City Comic Con. And you'll be able to find that one at uh, softroar.com, which currently goes to nowhere, but will be redirected to that Kickstarter when it launches. <laughs> I love that. I, I had a website that went nowhere for a long time, yeah. and then I was like, I'm going to make this go somewhere. Yeah. I don't think it goes anywhere anymore anyway, but those are always mm -hmm. super fun. Sure. When you get an email that's like ben at softwar.com, <laughs> but it just goes to your Gmail because yeah. software doesn't actually exist. Yeah. It's just you bought the domain for the email usage. Mm -hmm. Ooh, this has been a really fun episode. I've oh, had really God. fun getting to know you and yeah. talking about nerd stuff because this is comic culture. We are no longer on the fringe. No. We are part of society. And we are here to stay. Hopefully not 
for uh how am i supposed to put this hopefully you don't get sick of us like some of us are sick of the mcu and <laughs> star wars but uh we're, we're here to stay for a little bit and hopefully we have some can't fun believe, doing it can't believe we said on the air i'm sick of star wars now no it's <laughs> listen i like the individual movies i just can't really get excited when i hear about new mcu and star wars yeah, movies anymore. i can't can't say i'd ever stop watching star yeah, wars yeah but I could definitely say you should stop making movies. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. So I could enjoy the movies that you have put out. Yeah. You know what movies stopped at a really good spot? What's that? Was uh, Harry Potter. But I say that begrudgingly. I meant the original Harry Potter yeah. series, one through eight, because they split book seven up into two mm-hmm. movies. But they didn't continue it on uh, I mean they did that prequel uh, Fantastic Beast, which is a different story but Harry Potter did what it needed to do mm-hmm. it didn't extend past what it had to and it just ended and we move on I'm trying to think of any other series with a lot of movies that did that and I am coming up empty here I'm sure there is one but like anything else where they just were like we're done we did it the yeah. series over Everything just eventually gets rebooted, and I hope they don't yeah. reboot Harry Potter because they did it right <laughs> the first time. Uh, I, what we, we were talking about Transformers and how Transformers oh, yeah. just redoes, the, uh, redoes their continuity every couple of years, yeah. or like just constantly. This so, is not the history we told you about. It's totally yeah. different. So it's so there's so many continuities there that you can just kind of rely on it to be like, well, I like this one, so this is the one I'm going to pay attention to. Yeah. In a weird way, it works just because it's. It's the same thing with so comic books. There's so many different yeah. continuities. Mm-hmm. We're like, are you into Spider-Man 99 or the new 20 for DC? And sure. Do you follow all the storylines? How do you get oh, not confused? God. Speaking of storylines, X-Men. What timeline are we in with the X-Men? Like, I don't there's even. There's so I, many. I have no idea. I actually haven't seen any of the recent X-Men movies. I think I saw First Class. Was that one of them? Yeah, was that, one? that was like when uh, Magneto and Professor X were uh, teenage, not teenagers, but young adults. Is that when they stopped the Cuban Missile Crisis? Yes. Okay, that's the last one I saw. There's been like three or four since then, yeah. and I think they've said now that Disney owns Fox that those are all completely erased. Oh my god! So there you Guys. go against Disney racing. Claim God. Uh, so if the X Men show up in the MCU, that'll be really interesting to see with uh, Wolverine, but. Now that Tony Stark is gone, I, you're not going <laughs> to see Wolverine and Tony Stark butt heads, and that's really unfortunate. Uh, huh. Who could he butt heads against? Uh, Black Panther. Yeah. His vibranium claws with his adamantium claws. Which one would win? Who knows? That'd be a fun fight to see, Wolverine versus Black Panther. Yeah, that could be fun. Hmm. Well, I think we're going to start wrapping things up. We're not going to hit the full hour, but that's okay. Uh, I want to thank Ben once again. Uh, find Sword Interval at swordinterval.com. Really awesome. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, this is fun. 